Alright guys, welcome back to Revive School. Here we are, still in the Psalms, Psalm 85, yes, Lesson 68. You know, when I, when I looked at this uh, text, and I, you know, at the very beginning of the week, I just said it's going to kind of feel like a little bit more of a, of a message of revival in the Psalms, you know, in Psalm 80. Well, when you go to Psalm 85, I mean, this, this is that verse in Psalm 85, verse 6. It says, will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? And here, here is that phrase, revive us again. I mean, when I think of this, my heart just, it leaps because here we are, time revive, revive school. So what does this look like? How does this unfold and, and what's the context of this psalmist? Well, here we have, and Rich, I'm going to go to you here for a little bit. It says, for the choir director, a psalm of the sons of Korah. All right, so... Rich, give us a little bit of a backdrop. You've done the research on these guys. Who are the sons of Korah? What makes them so unique? The sons of Korah, they're from the Levite tribe. They were the guys that would, um, Moses and Aaron would pack up all of the articles of the Holy of Holies, the inner tabernacle where they were not to go in. They would put the poles in them, and then the sons of Korah were to carry them uh, on the poles. Okay, so now they're, that's their role of the holy objects. Take it one step farther, then what happened to these guys that, that were carrying the holy objects? Uh, they became jealous because they were like uh, to Aaron and his sons about like, hey, what makes you so special and why do you get to go in there? And so then the, Moses kind of called them all out on it and the Lord actually uh, caused the ground to open up and swallow them up and there goes 250 men of the tribe or the, of the sons of Korah. With, with their possessions, nonetheless. With their possessions. So this spirit of jealousy, the spirit of pride kicks in, these guys that are handling the most holy of the holy objects, right? And then in all of this, God wipes them out, except there's a, there's a remnant left. That remnant is, is writing a, a, a prayer and a psalm of thanksgiving of revival. That's who's writing this. This is the family lineage of all of those people that did all of those Unfortunately, they did great things and then they did bad things. And now they're saying, God, would you just revive us? And I like this language because if there's anybody that would understand a family heritage needing to be revived, it would probably be the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah who completely was entrusted, think about this, with the best of the best. They were entrusted with uh, the holy objects. And I... I, I <laughs> I've been a mess the last couple of days when I've been studying. I mean, a mess. I mean, like full on just weeping. And I think when I hear about the sons of Korah and we know how they turned against the Lord and now all of a sudden they're realizing what their family's done and they're asking for a spirit of repentance and a spirit of revival, like, Lord, would you kick in? And they realize what they had. Uh, it, it makes me think of the church. It makes me think of what we've been given. And then it just, you have to wonder sometimes, Lord, do we realize uh, the fact that we've been given the most precious gift of all time, Jesus Christ, and there's some of us that we treat it like it doesn't even matter, like we haven't been given the most precious gift. And, and it's, also, it's almost like we need this new season of, of people turning back to the Lord saying, forgive us, we've been given the best thing and we've forgotten it. 
And so here's the context of this emotional uh, journal entry by the sons of Korah. I mean, there's a really good chance, and I would, I would probably say it really fits with what we're going to study today. It probably was written right after the Jewish people returned to their land, uh, after the 70 years of captivity. So there's a really good chance that they have been in all of this bondage, all of this, you know, like, when are we going to get out of here, right, mentality. And now all of a sudden, uh, here you have the sons of Korah writing about they're, they're, they're free. And so in the first three verses, what you're going to see is, as Wearsby spells it out really well, is let's just give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord. Now hear this. This is really key, you guys, in, in the area of revival. Once you have been set free, you have to thank the Lord for it. It helps you overcome the, men, the mentality of staying in bondage. So, Lord, uh, I have been set free. Think about this. Seventy years of captivity. Can you go to Jeremiah, Kevin? Jeremiah 29, 10. I mean, this was prophesied, for this is what the Lord says. When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. Okay, so here it is. Remember, Jeremiah is in this time frame. Now, think about this. God has clearly granted these people this favor. Zerubbabel. Okay, was given as the quote unquote governor. Joshua was given as the, the high priest. Ezra was given as the scribe. So they have all of these guys coming into the land. They're walking into the fulfillment of what God is asking them to do. And what is the first thing that the psalmist does? He thanks the Lord. He says, Lord, you have, it says in verse one, Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored Jacob's prosperity. And so, I don't know, this is a silly, silly, it's super silly question. When's the last time you thank the Lord for your salvation? I just think when you have this heart of gratitude, it keeps you from going back into the captivity mentality. It keeps you from going back into this victim mentality of, oh, woe is me. But when you thank the Lord, I've been given this gift. Man, it helps us fight all of the things that are of, of the past. So he says, Lord, you showed your favor to the, your land. I mean, like you've, you've given it back to us. The promised land in Genesis 12 that he's talking about. I'm going to give you land. He's given it back to them. It's, it's almost like he's just saved it for him after 70 years of captivity. You restored Jacob's prosperity. Uh, Kevin, you got any thoughts when it when it says you restored Jacob's prosperity? Any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, the prosperity was of, at that time would have been his sons and the 12 tribes. If they'd been dispersed and taken back. He's like, you're given the identity back. Good. So they've been given land. They've been given, uh, I mean, I think that's right, Kevin. I think that their identity, because think about this. If they're God's chosen people and they're promised the land and all of a sudden like, he is blessing them. So they're giving thanks for these things. And it's interesting when you have these things taken away, you, you realize how you actually really needed it. <laughs> you know, in the United States, how long have we been talking about when there, whether there's a government shutdown or no government shutdown. But when that stuff's taken away, you're like, wow, I really needed that. <laughs> give thanks to the Lord for the land, give thanks to the Lord for the prosperity, the identity. And then in verse two, I mean, man, you took away your people's guilt. You covered all of their sin, say And here's the crazy thing. Isaiah said this was going to happen. Isaiah talked about this in Isaiah 40, verse one and two. So here you have Jeremiah prophesying, hey, by the way, after 70 years, you're going to come back into the land. It's going to be restored. Isaiah talks about the sins are going to be forgiven. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Verse two, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of servitude is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned 
and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. What an awesome picture about. So, I mean, you're talking about give thanks to the Lord. You've been given land. You've been given. I mean, Kevin, do you remember? I think it was maybe last week, two weeks ago. They kind of blend together. We were talking about how God has done things in our past. And you talked about how God had given you a house. And we had talked about how God had given us provision. And it's kind of like, isn't this crazy how God takes care of all of these things? And then look what he does as well. He takes away our, our guilt. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this and tie this into to Christ now. Obviously, he's talking to the Israelites. He's clearly talking to the Israelites. Don't ever just say he's talking to us. He's talking to the Israelites in this context. But when's the last time, and I, I mean this, you just thank the Lord for your apartment that you live in. When's the last time you thank the Lord that like you've been given eternal life through Christ? When's the last time you thank the Lord that your sins have been forgiven? Like the thankfulness, it's that First Thessalonians 5, rejoice in everything, give thanks in everything, right? And keep on praying for this is the will of God in your life. You want to know how to walk out the will of God? You give thanks. And so if you want to understand true revival, what I see in Psalm 85 is a heart of thankfulness. Because then you no longer become a person who complains and points. You become a person who says, thank you, God. Yeah, it's just, it's an interesting perspective to have. It's one that we don't talk about much when we talk about revival. Uh, But it says in verse 3, you withdrew all your fury. You turned from your burning anger. In other words, God, you did way more than you should have. You did this, and I give you thanks for this. So as the process unfolds and you give thanks to the Lord... Wearsby then begins to unpack verses four, five, six, and seven. And he says, okay, let's transition here a little bit and ask him, ask the Lord for a renewed life. Verses four through seven. Scripture says this. It says, return to us. By the way, us is going to be repeated, uh, return, uh, repeated six times. So th- there's this image of, and somebody even said when studying this, uh, this is kind of an interesting perspective, Kevin, don't worry. But those first three verses, it was almost like a choir was singing. I mean, think about this. They're giving this to the choir director and then they're going to keep going, return to us. So there's this language of asking for renewed life. It says, return to us, God of our salvation and abandon your displeasure with with us. Verse five, will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger for all generations? (laughs) Continues on in verse six. And here, here it is. Will you not revive us again? so that your people may rejoice in you. Uh, I, got a, I got a book here I'm going to open up and show you. Probably one of the... Uh, let me back up. I'm going to tell you a little bit of life story here. It's at Dallas Seminary. When I was at Dallas Seminary, there, there's two libraries, two books. There's a bookstore, a new bookstore, and then there's an old bookstore. And it used to be an old church. And when I was going there, I, lo- I loved going into the bookstore. I never bought anything unless it was the books that I was required to, to, to get. But I loved going in there. But I loved going into like the used book section or the books that never sold. I don't know which one it was. Discount books, right? Gordy, you're, you know how this works with your wife. Uh, what's the name of your wife's bookstore? Glow Bookstore, Shipshawana, Indiana. Uh, thank you. Glow Bookstore, Shipshawana, Indiana. They sell amazing books, by the way. Go tell Denise hello. So when I'm walking around, you guys, I never would have thought that this little book right here would have changed my life. It's called The Coming World Revival by Robert E. Coleman, and there's a forward by Billy Graham. And I saw this just tucked away in all these little shelves, and I was like, The Coming World Revival. It just 
I had just finished up my degree at Dallas Seminary and I just felt compelled to spend a year writing on revival. Tell, tell, love telling your wife that one. Hey, we're done with school. We should probably go get a job. Hey, I'm going to write a year. Like what? Now I was managing apartments at that time and I just said, yeah, I said, I feel like I'm supposed to write on revival. And so I did. And when I read this, this book by Robert Coleman, I was just like, I need to see if he'll read my manuscript. And so I, I, I was just really intrigued about all of the principles that Coleman has. And I got to tell you, man, I, I loved Coleman's perspective on everything he is. And, and here it is right away in verse, uh, in page, verse, in page 19, it talks about revive us again. Well, that's straight from Psalm 85. So as I start studying this, I got to this book. Walt Kaiser wrote a book called Revive Us Again based on uh, Psalm 85. And I'd actually encourage both of these books. Okay, you guys know me. I mean, when's the last time I've done a book promotional, right? I, hardly ever. Uh, but The Coming World Revival by Robert E. Coleman. And then Revive Us Again. And what I love about Revive Us Again is it gives biblical principles for today. But here's what's so cool, you guys. He gives you 16 illustrations of revival in the Old and the New Testament. And I have to tell you, I loved this book. I ate this book up. And so in this process, I was just like, Lord, will you not revive? What, is, what does that mean? Will you not revive us again so that your people <laughs> may rejoice in you? And we're going to unpack this at the very end today. But it's funny how one little Bible verse will change your life. It's funny how one book then leads to another book, which then crazy enough, uh, you know, this led to me writing a manuscript on revival. I even wrote my own psalm. I called it a personal plea before the Lord. And uh, I actually questioned whether or not uh, I was going to write, uh, read this. I'm just going to read part of it. And uh, I think for me, uh, I wonder, what I want to do is, is in, in the end of verse 7 here, it just says, Show us your faithful love, Lord, and give us your salvation. So here's this, this pitch of, okay, I'm giving thanks. Now, Lord, I need, to give, I need you to give me a renewed life. If they're asking for a renewed life, what do you think that ultimately means? It was at one point new, right? So if you're asking him for a, a renewed life, that's the context. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to this maybe. <laughs> I want to just see. I don't know. It, it will take a lot for me to read this. So let's keep going here and maybe I'll come back. Uh, number three here. Warren Wiersbe just says this. Once you've asked the Lord for a renewed life, here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen for God's message to you. Can I ask a question on verse six, Kyle? Sure. Is the again important in that verse that they knew what revival was? The psalmist had saw it happen once before. I mean, it's essential. I mean, it's a cycle. It's, they keep coming back, he keeps reviving him. They keep coming back, he keeps renewing him. He keeps coming back. And hopefully you'd hear after 70 years of captivity, after being in Babylon, that here we go, we're ready to roll. God, would you do this again? Hopefully that would be the context. But isn't that like all of us? I mean, we do revive Indiana in 2015. But I think it's a fair statement. Those people in that community, in us, I mean, I'm just it's specific, they need to be revived again. We did revive Texas last year. Guess what happens? Or two years ago. I'm pretty sure we need to be revived again. I'm pretty sure that when I think of revive Flint in 2010 and 2011, I'm pretty sure, Kevin, it's a fair statement again, that somewhere in there, we've forgotten to give thanks and now we need to be renewed again. You know, Charles Finney says this, I'm going to give you a quote. Revival is a renewed conviction of sin. 
and repentance, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It is giving up one's will to God in deep humility. But then you start it all over again. I mean, so it's, it's a, I love this, listen to this. It's a renewed conviction of sin and repentance. Followed by an intense desire to live in obedience. That's why to me, people say, well, what does revival really look like? Is it, is it uh, humility and confession and repentance of sin? Or is it sharing the gospel? Uh, yes. I mean, I'll never forget. I've gotten into multiple discussions. I remember when I was out in the, the East Coast with some of the, these what I would consider great peers of, uh, meaning elders, I should say, of, of revival. And they, I was always the one pushing the envelope because the mentality for them was always the Second Chronicles 7.14 passage. It was always, if you want to go there, Kevin, it was always this mentality of if we do these things then revival is going to break out. Well, Second Chronicles 7.14, you guys know this. And my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. This is really a message of revival. I mean, this is truly a message of revival in the Old Testament. And so to, to many people, the message of revival is, is if we stay in this posture, a posture of humility, a, prayer, a posture of prayer, seeking my face, turning from evil ways, then God's going to show up. But if God shows up, don't you think we have an obligation then to walk it out? And so then you could say, well, is that is that the product of revival? I, to me, it, I don't know how you can separate them. If you're really, really walking in this posture of humility, you're naturally going to be walking out, sharing the gospel and making disciples. I don't know how you can actually separate them. And yet we do all the time. And I say that because, Kevin, we need to be renewed and revived again. I bet there's people at Time to Revive who work for Time to Revive. We need to be revived probably today. So, Kevin, it's a great question. When you look at verse 6, will you not revive us again? Yes. That's why Paul would go back to cities constantly, you guys. And if not, his heart was to go back to cities. You want to know why? Because he wanted to check up to make sure that they were still doing the work that they said they were going to be doing. One of the things that I found so encouraging is I had a, I had a lunch today and had a meal today where a, a guy that came and spoke was the first young adults pastor that Laura and I had here in Dallas. And he took me to Cafe Brazil, a breakfast first time when I moved into Dallas. And this guy poured into my life. Funny enough, he actually invited me to speak and share the share scripture at the church. Like he was the first guy that actually believed in me, you know, like in Dallas, like, you know what, let's go. I, I believe there's something here. Let's go. Let's just fan this thing. Let's pour this thing out. And, and it's interesting to me because I feel like I'm hoping that my life becomes uh, an encouragement for him because he sowed into me. But in all of this, I needed to be renewed again from his words. Like it's just this, it's this constant cycle. I mean, there are a lot of believers in the United States. They claim to be believers and they say they've put their trust in Christ and somewhere down the road, they'll say, oh yeah, I used to do that or I used to read or I used to pray. And part of my personal calling is to truly fan that inside of you so that you would fall in love again with the gospel. In fact, Kevin, let's go to Revelation 3. We're just going to kind of jump all over here. Revelation 3 verse 2. It, I remember, Rich, when we went into Revive Seattle. And uh, this really became uh, one of our theme verses for Revive Seattle. And it says, be alert and strengthen what remains, which is about to die. For I have not found your works complete before my 
God. You know what revival is? Revival is realizing, oh, I've been given something and I'm not doing anything with it. And so it says, be alert and strengthened for what remains, for it is about to die. It keeps going on in verse three. Remember, therefore, what you've received and heard. And watch this, you guys. Revelation 3, 2 and 3 is, is really a reiteration of this. Keep it and repent. But if you're not alert and I will come like a thief and, and you have no idea what hour I will come against you. And it continues on. But you have a few, cho- few people in, in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes and they will walk with me in white because they are worthy. This just gets me excited, you guys, about the book of Revelation. But if you go back to verse 3. I think this is where we're going to kind of land our plane today and just hang out for a little bit. Therefore, whatever you have received and heard, keep it and repent. Okay, I think this is an incredible picture of the church. It's about to die. Do you not remember what you have received? Keep it and repent. So here's my question for you, Kevin, is what are we repenting of? When it says that, what's your first thought? It's a repentance of omission of not doing what we've been told and not being excited i mean i think it's it goes back to i've just been thinking of the joy of our salvation we forget what we've been pulled out of and so then we become comfortable and we need to turn around and why are we comfortable um and it's you know that was what happened to the israelites and that's why they got carried they got comfortable in the land and they got started getting slack their relationship they it took them 70 years to to suffer to before god restored them to the land so I mean, okay kevin it's almost like you wrote the prayer it's almost like that you wrote the prayer of walt kaiser okay so that's good okay watch this unfold kevin kevin you should consider going published all right, this is, what, this is what Kaiser says talking about the prayer. I, mean, I think you're spot on, Kevin. Okay, first of all, he says, grant us restoration, okay, as in times of the past. Okay, so that's, that's where he heads to in the first three verses. Okay, now watch this, though, and this is, Kevin, where you're going to keep going here. Okay, in verses four through seven, this is what he's asking. He says, Lord, grant us uh, your joy and love in our times. Like, may we not forget what the joy of salvation actually means. May we not forget these components. And then he continues on as we're talking about listen for God's message, because that's really clearly what it is. We need to start being in tune. What is God saying to us now that we've repent? What are we actually been entrusted with? And so then this is where he says, grant us. And this is Kevin slash Walt Kaiser. Grant us your peace. And here's where it gets kind of fun for me and presence in our land. But you never know what that looks like unless you're listening for his message. Think about it in verse 8. He says, I will listen to what God, I will listen to what God will say. Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people, his godly ones, and not let them go back to foolish ways. He says in verse 9, his salvation is very, knows, very near, very near those who fear him so that that glory may dwell in our land. And only you can get to that point is when you hear from him. When you listen to God's message, you, you've already asked him for a renewed life. So, Lord, now what are you saying to me? But you can't get to that point until you realize you've been thankful for what you've been given. So when you show that you're thankful for what you've been given, God, renew what I've been given. And then in that, God, what do you want me to do with it? To me, it's an incredible message of revival. But you kind of have to navigate through these, through these waters. 
says in verse 10, faithful love and truth will join together. Righteousness and peace will embrace. Truth will spring up from the earth and righteousness will look down from heaven. Also, the Lord will provide what is good and our land will yield its crops. Righteousness will go before him to prepare the way for his steps. Here's what I here's what I just want to pray. Lord, would you just allow us to see what we've been given? Open our eyes and open up our ears to the truth. The truth is that, Lord, I know when we started Time Revive, it was wake up to the truth that transformed lives. Lord, that's ultimately our prayer's desire. That's ultimately our request is that, Father, you would show us what we've been given. So, Father, I just want to say thank you for the re- I want to say thank you for the salvation that you've given me. Thank you for the salvation that you've given these men in this room. Thank you that my, my family knows you. Thank you that my extended family knows you. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross, for going through the death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus, we would not even be here today without you. And I, Father, I have no problem saying this. Because of who I am in Christ, I need to be renewed and revived every day. God, may I not get stagnant, may I not become fleshly, may I not become worldly, may I not give in to the ways of Satan. Father, may I truly be revived in you. May I be renewed in you, God. And that's what I'm asking for, for the listenership. I'm asking that you would revive and renew all of us that are listening. May we realize what we've been given. The time is too short, Father. And I'm going to ask, Lord, that you would awaken the spirit and the soul of the man, that we would begin to see truly what we've been given. May we not hide this little talent, but may we embrace what we've been given. Father, may we not make this harder than what it is. It's you doing the reviving. It's you doing the renewing. And so, Jesus, I'm going to ask, God, would you do that in my life? Do that in my wife's life? Do that in my kid's life? God, I want to see my family living this thing out in such a way, Lord. It, we only reflect you. And so for all the students that revives, revive school, <laughs> revive the students today. Some of us are so tired and weary. We've been working our tails off and just trying to make ends meet. Father, may we trust in you and not carry it ourselves. And so, Father, may we have this spirit of thankfulness. May we have this, this attitude and this posture of asking to be renewed and revived. And then, Father, very clearly, I just ask, as what it says right here when I've written this, what Wearsby says, may we just listen to the message that you've asked us to hear unclog the ears and take away the barriers, take away the walls. Father, I'm asking that you speak to us. To me, true revival is when the church, the body of Christ, listens to the Holy Spirit. When we listen to the Holy Spirit, I actually believe we'll start doing what you've asked us to do. So, Father God, forgive us for not doing the things that you've told us to do. Forgive us for holding on to the gospel. Forgive us for holding on to Jesus We know you've clearly asked us to to share the truth. Father, I ask for forgiveness for the church. For things are about to die. I believe that in the church, awaken us to the truth of the gospel. And may we be people who share what we've been given. This is the best news of all time. So Holy Spirit, would you just in this moment, would you speak to any one of us at this point? And Holy Spirit, would you show us what you want us to do? Because we have a posture that we know it's you. We have a posture of being revived, asking for, for revive. And now, Father, would you direct us? Jesus, may we be like the sons of Korah in Psalm 85. May we, may we learn the things from the past. <laughs> may we not give in to the ways of, of the world with this sin. But God, we need help. 
We've been set free and we need your direction. Oh God, revive us again. Not because of some formula, not because of some method, or actually not because of some book, (laughs) but because the Holy Spirit is showing us (laughs) that he wants to. God, our nation needs a revival. I don't know what it's going to take, but God, I'm asking for a national move of God. May it start with me. May it start with these men in this room. And may it start with those that are listening. God, I long to see a third great awakening. Father, if there's any, any way, any way at all, that any of us could see and experience this, I ask that that can happen. Not for selfish motives but for the harvest. God, revive this country and start with the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.